Welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, and Ryan Griffin, delivering the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, webheads? It's the boys of summer. We got Ryan Griffin, we got Dylan Bear, Matt Bassin, Paul Roshan is not with us today. Surprise, surprise, we have yet to have all four of us. Nine weeks. On to the last, was it nine weeks now? It's nine weeks Well, this streak should have ended last week, you bitch. All right, well. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Anyway, we have talked basketball to death. Football's around the corner, but it ain't here yet. Hockey is melted and waiting to come back, waiting for that winter. But it is the summertime, which means the diamonds are shining, the grass is growing. Yeah. (laughs) And the boys of summer are on the field. It is baseball season in full swing. We just had the All-Star Game. We just had the Home Run Derby, one of the greatest Home Run Derbies in the history of Home Run Derbies. And... Now it's time to get serious. Now it's the trade times. It's who's buying, who's selling, who's making a push for that World Series, that playoff run. I don't know dick about this, so we're going to hand it off to Dylan Bear, who apparently has all the inside scoop. He's got the answer, Sway. That's right. And the reason is because I follow two baseball teams. Two more than anybody in this bum-ass city does. But That's a a weird way to say bandwagon. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) I love both of my Chicago teams in different ways, okay? Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. much different ways. The show, mm-hmm. White Sox are always going to be my be my team, but One's the Cubs are always from the sh- back. hey Hey, there we go. There we go. The, the, the Cubs are the side piece. <laughs> the, the Cubs were <laughs> my childhood. With the lights like, off. <laughs> the Cubs were God my damn. childhood team. They were, the sa- they were the Santa Claus. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and saw that Sammy Sosa was actually Santa. And then I stopped believing in them. It was a very painful time in 2003 with that cork bat and the steroids and the I can't speak English and all that. Very sad times for young Dylan. But that's not important. We're not even going to be talking about the races themselves because Paul ain't here and he says he follows it. I don't know. Maybe. But I know you two haven't followed baseball. What I really want to talk about. And well, the Tigers about, are the second worst team in the league this year, so well, yeah. can you blame us? <laughs> I mean, the Dodgers are just wilding out. Steamroll awesome. the regular season. They've done that for the last two yeah, years but and this have is, zero World Series to show for it. The reason they got an extension, though, baby. The reason four this more looks years. so, much, more so much different for the Dodgers is because they didn't pay for Machado. And they have been proven so damn right. Big contracts in baseball. Uh, that's a that's a different topic. But it's super interesting how the Dodgers are winning with a bunch of t- basically mincemeat because <laughs> their their farm system has been awesome and they've scouted really well. But that's not that's not that's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about today is how, to be fair, the whole reason we haven't been talking baseball, the whole reason why baseball on the decline is it has a lot of problems. And I got three things in particular that I wanted. You as outsiders, you two guys, to talk about with this. And I'm not saying I'm some baseball aficionado, but some really good friends of mine, a whole big group of them, they are baseball diehards. So just by association, I I have to keep up with it. So I'm a little more in the wrap of things than you guys would be. And 
there are three trends, and I'm a, we're going to start off with the first one, and that is Justin Verlander kind of talked about this already, and I have my own opinion on it, but it's the home run boom that's been going on. The strikeout, the, basically the mentality of hitters now where it's strikeout or it's home run. And I wanted to see what you guys thought about whether that's good for baseball for the future moving forward or if it's bad. I have my two cents, but I'm curious, especially Matt being the old timer, how do you feel about home runs becoming basically freaking candies being shot in the air? I mean, look, everyone loves home runs. It's just except for pitchers, obviously, but everybody else loves home runs and home runs are always one of the more exciting things in baseball, but. For me, growing up playing baseball and loving baseball and loving the old style of baseball long before I was ever around, my baseball, you know, begins at the end of the 80s uh, for when I was alive for. But, you know, the heyday, the, the golden age of baseball. of baseball, it was small ball. It was hitting around the diamonds. It was doubles and singles. And it was, you know, moving around. And it was, there was more in, to me, it's more movement involved when it's small ball being played than if it's just home runs or strikeouts because that's what you got. You either got a guy slowly trotting around the bases or he's throwing his helmet and his bat and he's lugging back to the dugout because he swung on a bunch of pitches that he shouldn't have even swung for, and that was that. So to me, I prefer to have the small ball still very much in play in the game of baseball. I don't want just home runs and strikeouts. Uh, it's just... It gets a little, to me, it's a little more stagnant that way of you're just kind of sitting around waiting, waiting, waiting. Oh, big moment! And now we're sitting around waiting, waiting, waiting. I would rather, you know, with the dingers and, you know, and getting through the holes and here he stole second, he stole third, like moving around the bases that way. To me, that's more exciting baseball. Okay. Ryan, what about you? I'm going to take a page out of Big Al's book. And I love dingers. I love that Big Al hits dingers. It's, Literally the thing that gets the fans most involved and most excited in the game. Obviously, you can hit a foul ball, but a foul ball is only exciting for the person who catches it. And a home run is exciting for every single person in the crowd, of course, that's rooting for that team. But if you're at a stadium, most of the fans, of course, are going to be home fans anyway. And I like strikeouts. I don't know how sexy strikeouts are to the average fan. But oh, they're awful. I'll but being you. a Tigers fan, uh, <laughs> watching throwing them. Max Scherzer, wow. watching Justin Verlander, uh, those are really my, when I watch baseball, those obviously were the guys on the Tigers and Verlander has been there forever. But I love strikeouts. And I was playing you know, MLB The Show, MLB 2K, whatever. And you made your you made your person a pitcher. You were always trying to rack up just more strikeouts. There's nothing exciting about, you know, a pop fly or a ground or anything like that. So, I personally like to see the home runs up more just because I think it's a more exciting play. It's like more, it's almost like more slam dunks in basketball. So, everybody gets up off their seats for is why people go to the games with gloves and things like that. And if you can do well, anything, okay. base, baseball especially, if they can do anything to try and draw more fans in, I think that's always what's best for their game because they're tuning out such a younger audience and young young viewers don't want to see you know singles right doubles and triples are exciting you see somebody running around the base class usually there's a play at the base but you know like a bunt or you know as matt was saying like small ball that's never anything at least to me when i was a bigger fan of baseball than of course i am right now that's not what i got hyped for unless it brought in a run so here's the thing that 
I hate this trend for a multitude of reasons. Number one is that I am with Matt. I love small ball. The Kansas City championship team of 2015, I, I love the way that they played. They were super compelling. Steals, doubles, bunts, all that kind of stuff. I love small ball. But the reason why I think it's such a problem is because baseball is overcorrecting so far that they're going to wind up bastardizing their own game. It's kind of like if you if the NBA and all of the NBA took the Houston Rockets model and made it standard for everyone. Because I and Ryan, in fairness, I'm sure you haven't really watched any baseball games this year, correct? Yeah, no. I wa- no, I watched one. Some dude on the Tigers made a diving play in like the top of the ninth, and I think he walked it off in the bottom of the ninth. Okay. So you haven't watched a lot. I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing more boring than seeing the side being struck out in consecutive innings. To see that the ball isn't even in play is so boring now. The mentality of swing or nothing has made it so there that the one thing everyone criticized in baseball, right, was there's too much dead period, right? Well, now that you don't see guys on second base, on third base, that pressure, you know, where the pitcher, there's a base is loaded and you got to watch out if you get a, you know, a blooper into left or what have you. Like that pressure is gone. That those sort of stakes, especially in the later innings, is gone. As Matt had alluded to, the fact that there is such a lull and then there's this big high. Home runs used to be an apex point, but it wasn't the way to win. It was it was a, it was a show of force in a game that had beauty, and that's not the case anymore. And the reason is because I think personally, it all boils down to baseball believing they are closer to the NFL than the reality, which is they are closer to the NHL. They are a regional sport now. That is the way it is gone. That is the way it will be forever. You're not getting a younger crowd. The very nature of baseball is not something in the modern age that's going to be consumed in the way that it used to be. People have changed. That's just how it works. But pursuing this all-encompassing, universal way of trying to get people involved in the game is just going to make it worse. And I think it's made the game a joke now. And in, in, I hate it. And in Verlander saying they juice the balls, I don't doubt that at all because they want offense. But that's not... But I, but that's not baseball. Baseball, like the best baseball games I've ever seen in my lifetime were the series of the Tigers against the Texas Rangers in 2011 in the ALCS and the St. Louis Cardinals against the Texas Rangers in the World Series. Those, I believe it was 13 games because I think the Tigers series only went six games. Maybe it went seven were some of the most compelling games I've ever seen because of what I'm talking about. That in, that pressure, the building of a hit after a hit after a hit, or the pressure of a guy bunt and then a guy moves to second, and if, there's, if the ball is placed in a certain way, he's in. Or he at least you see that throw to home, you know? With home runs and the strikeouts, that pressure, that drama, especially in postseason baseball is gone now i mean i love seeing plays at like bases or plays at the plate the thing that i don't like seeing is and not that i've seen it a lot recently because again i don't watch baseball but there's two outs nobody on base and a guy hits a single and then the next guy you know he grounds out or whatever like to me that's not 
exciting because essentially that single is inconsequential. I know stuff can happen to it, but I like steals. I like extra base hits. I like home runs. When you try, when you're trying to piece it together, and it's obviously if it's like the bottom of the ninth, like game seven, what was it? In extra innings with the Cubs and the Indians, obviously that's exciting because the World Series is on the line. Pretty much regardless of how the game is going, right? It can be 1-0, it can be 1-1. The only way that's not exciting is if one team hits a bunch of home runs and then the other team doesn't hit any. Like, it seems like, at least just from watching Center, you know, how the Yankees are playing right now, where they're just hitting a home run every game. And I don't know if they're blowing people out or not, but from watching it, uh, I don't doubt that the MLB has juiced the balls, though. But for Ver- like Verlander complained about it, and I love Verlander, but didn't he sound like a whiny bitch to you, just like the way he was going about it? No? He, so- he sounded like an intelligent dude who's pissed off at the way the game has changed. Like, think about, think about a dude who is putting up what many have considered to be one of the greatest pitching seasons of all time, and in the midst of it, he is talking about how much the game has changed. Because I don't doubt in Verlander's mind, all these strikeouts that he's getting now are so much more hollow than he used to have when he pitched with the Tigers. Because I mean, at even... least back then, guys tried to make contact. If you make oh. 12Ks now, it, there are so many more guys who are getting more double-digit strikeouts than in the history of the game before. And it's it's boring. It's awful. Like, as a pitcher, you want your strikeout to matter, but now it doesn't it's like a re it's like a a rebound and obviously it's not a one for one but like you get in a long board well people are shooting threes it's way easier to get boards now it doesn't mean as much Uh, i think that helps verlander though with like and not that he is going to have a problem with his legacy because he was so dominant for the tigers but even just to extend his career and racking up all those strikeouts you know he'll probably get another no hitter out of it because he's always been a dude that's surrendered a lot of home runs so when you look back at the end of his career, and he was always, you know, a power pitcher, he's going to be more up on the strikeout list than I think he would have been if the game hadn't changed. So I think it actually does help a guy like Verlander, who's relied pretty much his entire career on strikeouts, even if they're not as meaningful to him. At the end of his career, I think it's going to put him in better standing for any type of you know, greatest pitcher of all time conversation or top five, top ten, wherever it is, that he may not have been in before. I got a question for both of you guys. Dylan, you brought this up during, during your uh, your tangent a minute ago. Um, we were talking about the sport and the trouble that it's in. Uh, you know, this was a sport long before any of us were alive. Um, you know, long before the suburbs became, you know, the traditional America where everyone lived in or right next to the city. And the subway was how you got everywhere. Automobiles were, you know, not that popular yet. Um, but these guys weren't paid that much and then they spent their off season selling cars or whatever and you bumped into these guys they lived in your neighborhoods and all that stuff and this is when baseball was the be-all end-all sport in america and you know football eventually crept up basketball eventually crept up um and we live in a world now where stickball is no longer really a thing uh the sandlot days are not really a thing uh for basketball you need a ball and something to put it in football you need a ball and enough people to play it baseball you still need a bat you still need gloves you need all this equipment and we live in a world where everything has gone up in price except for salaries on a scalable margin so 
Hey, is it, there we go. That's is some it socialism our, talking. There we go. Is it our fault? Is it is it the way the world is gone's fault that baseball is going the way that it's going? As far as you're not seeing as many people playing it anymore growing up, they don't have the money to afford it. You know, you see it with you know with, with the black culture that they don't play it anymore like they used to. You know, the majority of the people of, that are playing it that are not white are from islands south of the United States of America. What do so, you mean they? What, do you, what they? <laughs> But we uh, live in a world no, now where baseball mean. has gone the way of, of tennis and golf. It is a rich person's game, it seems like, to be able right. to afford to play it. Whereas the other sports, including soccer, uh, are all you need is a ball and somewhere right. to put it. And you know, or, or, not even with that with football. With football, you need an imaginary line, and that's your freaking end zone. You just need enough guys to play it, and you know you can conceivably play it with four on four, I guess. But regardless, these are games that don't need much. Baseball, hockey, golf, tennis, these sports need money behind it okay. for the youth to play it. And we live in a world now where people just aren't making enough compared to how much everything else costs. And it seems like, to me at least, that baseball is you know one of the effects of this. So, okay. So, that's definitely a portion. I don't doubt that whatsoever. It's the same thing that hampers hockey is outside of number one northern areas – where are you seeing the youth swell? You know, like I, it's a it's a perfectly good point, but I don't I think it's something a little different, and it goes back to my baseball kind of selling its soul to be like they're kind of I I hate to use this, but it's it, it it really is how I feel about baseballs. Baseball is trying to do a Kardashian, where they want to sell themselves out, play themselves up to be as accessible as possible. In order to be popular, famous, make money, whatever. And I think that that's the wrong attitude for baseball to take in a myriad of reasons. And and part of it is is the reason why baseball doesn't work anymore at, on a larger scope is because it's a slow game. It takes a long time for a baseball game to be played, even with the speed-ups they've tried to do. It's but a it's always been that way. Well, I'm aware of that, but we as a society have changed. It's why soccer and basketball grow so much. Soccer as an investment is amazing because it's so freaking short. You know how much time a soccer game is going to be. So are the players. An hour, <laughs> an hour and 30 minutes. If you go into overtime, it can be as much as an hour and 45 minutes. But that's it. That is all the commitment you need. And with every all these other choices and options and what have you, and to be fair, the planet heating up a lot in the se- and everybody's, you know, outside. They get to do whatever they we want. We just ignoring stoppage times, huh? Uh, well, I, stoppage time isn't adding that much. But regardless, soccer and basketball are becoming more popular for a reason. They are the least investment. They are action at all times. It's never a lull. The reason that football still works is because football, despite the fact that passing is still a thing, has not changed what it is at its core. A strategic chess match between giants. And with baseball, it used to be the same chess match but with some of arguably the most talented human beings in the world. It's fascinating. Oh, no, it's absolutely that. I mean, baseball has always been a, you know, baseball, it's a deeper understanding to to watch a game of baseball. But that's also something that's gone by the wayside. It used to be, when I was a kid, you go to the game, they gave you a scorecard. You got a pencil. Right. And you followed and along and kept track and, of yeah. what was going on in the game. In I don't even day. think they do that anymore. But... 
that's the thing is football hasn't deviated from that and it arguably has become as popular as it has been by good or bad staying true to itself at least you know you can recognize the game baseball is starting to become where old timers and verlander and whoever else are looking at the game and be like jesus christ guys what is this this isn't baseball anymore there isn't strategy to it those postseason the october matchups that we know about and i'm going to say one in particular that i know is going to hit your heart matt the 2001 world series will never happen again the luis gonzalez single in the ninth inning the the walk-off single is gone it's over those moments that sort of tension is well like he needs to make contact that's that's the thing is that you know you're putting a big blanket over the entire game when there are plenty of managers out there that still no more singles in baseball in 20 years there are cool. still baseball teams out there that have the, the lineups that they have are not geared towards just home runs or strikeouts. All right, there no, are no, teams out there. Still as long as you have Miguel Cabrera on the team, you can guarantee a single. And having a, and having a strategy small behind ball it. anymore. Look at the stats and look at the hitting averages year over year. Any team that is contending, I'll give you a perfect, perfect example of just how wrong you are. The Minnesota Twins are where they are, not because of small ball, dude. The Boston Red Sox are coming back not because of small ball. The Houston Astros and the New York Yankees are who they are not because of small ball. The contenders in this league are not where they are because they play the game the way we used to see it played. They are adopting this format of swing or miss. That is the way analytics for baseball are working. That is the way the game has morphed. Power hitters are what matter. Guys who hit for average don't matter anymore it's why bryce harper got such a big contract from the phillies he's not an a he doesn't hit for average he's a swinger that's what he does and that's the way the teams are adapting handed power shout out to aj riley everybody sure not an original opinion (laughs) but (laughs) like you you say oh well there are teams that do still do small ball awesome and they aren't anywhere near serious enough to contend Every team that's serious is power with power so, pitching. So that why would you do formula. small ball if the teams doing small ball aren't any good? But that okay, I'm saying it's baseball's fault that this is happening. It's baseball as a league's fault that this is happening. Whether or not it's successful, it's on the league in and of itself who keeps hoeing up the offenses and hoeing up oh look at these home runs it's the same thing what they did in the steroid era bud selig turned a cheek to that and manfred is doing the same thing whether it's with juice balls or teams becoming awful products to watch as the commissioner bud selig of this league it's my job to sweep this under the rug But, like, okay, a perfect example of this, and I keep bringing up examples because, like, it's a thing that really has been bugging me. The MLB All-Star game I can this tell. year was god-awful. Was it 4-3? It so, I don't care if it was a one-run game. Araldis Chapman struck out the side in an All-Star game. It's it he, was he's 200 miles an hour. product. No, it's because guys don't hit for average anymore. I hate it. I miss it. 
a lot. It bugs the shit out of me. And one of my favorite teams, the Chicago Cubs, are the same thing. They do not hit for average. They swing for the fences. Here's a perfect here's a perfect player that proves just how messed up baseball is now. Kyle Schwarber used to be a freaking laughing stock in the league cuz he never hit for average. He was just a guy who was a, a just a whole plug right in there in their lineup. And he is having a career season and it's not a mistake that's happening. He is not a good not a good enough baseball player to be having this kind of season, but because of the way baseball is now, he isn't a laughing stock anymore. That just sounds like hating to the highest degree. But Adam who's that Dunn, American hero were... <laughs> that has more if home Adam runs Dunn were than strikeouts? Bad, he would be awesome right now. If Adam Dunn were here, or if um, Matt Holiday in the later years had come back. I'll tell you what, this is the year of the DH going on right now, and it bugs the shit out of me. Justin Morneau action? Oh, my God. <laughs> Paul Canerco? Ah. Speaking of conspiracies, Area 51. The be- Well, yeah, the, the internet <laughs> has done its fair share to try to get people together for a random-ass cause. So you had, like an, a, you had yeah, an idea. Suicide mission. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us? My idea with everyone trying to storm Area 51 and getting picked off one by one, sadly, is to bring up the greatest sports miss that you've ever heard. So it can be something haunted. I kind of want to stay away from curses, but you can do what you want with it. Or just spooky rumors. Like, I don't care about rumors about this dude slept with this dude's wife or anything like that. I'm looking for funny rumors, almost mythological or sort of powers at B or even just a crazy story that is in the world of sports that intrigues you the most. Almost your area 51 of conspiracy theories. Oh, I mean, there's, there's plenty, you know, my favorite ones all revolve around my favorite game, which is basketball. You know, the original one of the very first ever NBA draft and the NBA needing New York to get that first pick and freezing their card. So when the commissioner reached in and felt that he knew which one it was to pull the Knicks for the number one spot to grab Patrick Ewing and bring them back to relevancy. And they were a great team for a very long time. Uh, The other one involves Michael Jordan and the flu game. Was it a flu game? Was it bad pizza? Was he actually sick with the regular flu or was it something that he ate? Uh, Was one of the ones that was out there as well. But that first one, that's that my first favorite. one is always, you know, the the Knicks with Patrick Ewing and the Frozen card. My favorite one is just the one that, you know, everyone believes that Michael Jordan just wanted to go play baseball when in reality he was kicked out of the league for a year and a half because he was gambling. Hmm. I don't understand, like, why why they would kick him out, though. Like, you think uh, they could just sweep it under the rug? They did. They they did. They didn't so kick him out. So why would you kick him out? They they changed the story. Oh, your dad was killed. Go play baseball for him for a year and a half. Why you think well, his dad they was didn't killed? They didn't change the story. You think that was random? You think that was random? That wasn't random. They knew exactly who it was, and that man was the father of the man that owed a lot of money to people that you don't owe money to. And David Stern said, "Look, you are the best in the business, and I cannot suspend the best in the business. You have to go away on your own." Well, I don't even know if it's a conspiracy because it's been debunked, but it still just is such sound logic behind it. Uh, 
I don't know. Like, I don't like Michael Jordan, so him having vices doesn't surprise me, which is ironic because it's my franchise player. But, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't have anything much to add on that because it's been disproven, like, by a lot of sources. But it's just like the Knicks lottery thing. It's just so perfectly aligned. It's hard to take the facts, you know. Mine is a is a story more or less, almost a legend. So it's not it's in the kind of the same vein of Wade Boggs drinking 107 beers in one day. With this one, same same kind of vice, if peace. you will, just a little bit different. He's very much alive. <laughs> he lives in Tampa, Florida. Is uh, Doc Ellis pitching a, a no hitter while he was high on LSD? Oh yeah, that, that seems oh, yeah. impossible to do. That's, like uh, to have to have the like the gall wait, and the audacity to, to think <laughs> that you're so. that you're good enough to take LSD before you have to pitch in a major league baseball game, and then you <laughs> no hit the side. Like you're not even looking at the catcher. God knows what you're seeing. Probably a turtle <laughs> holding a snake, like hey, trying to what, swing. One of my closest friends threw a hole in one of disc golf on like mushrooms. That. Wait, what? One of my closest friends threw made a hole in one in disc golf on mushrooms. That's not that seems way impressive. less impressive than that's way less no impressive. I'm just saying you can do LSD. things. <laughs> so, like, I smoked weed and opened a Snickers bar. <laughs> that's, the, that's the same thing. Okay, hang on, hang on. No, no, no. We're not gonna compare a hole in one in disc golf to opening a Snickers bar, all right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm gonna yeah. do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, all right, I like, it's, I like it's that. Crazy. That story like of the... everything that was on LSD, like the Beatles songs, all the great music and movies from the 60s to the 80s, whatever, and then Doc yeah. Ellis having an athletic accomplishment <laughs> while he's it's, high out it's of his awesome. mind on drugs. And it's just like the, uh, the Boss Hog one, too. That one's pretty sweet, too. I love the... It's awful because it's like, yay, substance abuse, but it's also like, that's, that's baller shit. How good do you have to be to throw a no man a no hitter? And how bad are like how bad do you feel as the team? And that story comes out say thirty years later, where it's like, oh yeah, you remember that know, game going, where none uh, of you got a hit? Yeah, he was. I mean, just, drink, know, drink, he was out Doc, of his mind. Doc and Daryl. You can look at all the stuff they did on all sorts of substances throughout their entire Major League Baseball careers. So apparently, it's not that hard to play baseball. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Come on. I don't know. They say, they say baseball okay. is the hardest sport. Mm-mm. Here's the, here's the hard you, part for me to kind of like You never see a triple-double while on LSD. Who, which one is more impressive, though? Doc Ellis's with the LSD or Wade Boggs doing over 100 beers and then going three for five the next day? So a hundred uh, beers in a day is probably more impressive because right? it's like it's, it's like how do you have that much stomach? But the, the actual athletic part part about that, like obviously hangovers suck, but the fact that it wasn't the same day and you weren't drunk, you probably you were probably just sick and went three for five is a little less impressive than doing that while high on drugs. But the actual act of drinking a hundred and seven beers, like even if it was just seven beers in a day, you're like that's a lot of beers. Right, seventeen he, beers. Yeah, you're like, you're like that's that's way too many beers. A hundred and seven beers in a twenty-four hour period, and probably less than because it probably. Would you slept. get full? 
<laughs> like, how are you not right. full? Like, like you literally I mean, you break up down the numbers beer? of how many beers per hour you have to drink to consume 107 in a 24-hour period. Literally, it's like, it's like six beers an hour, or probably like five and a half or something like that. No, not five and a half. It's probably well, closer to five. Four and a half, five beers an hour. But you have to think he was sleeping. So it's not like he did. <laughs> he spent all that time drinking. So you had to crunch the numbers even more. And just yeah, uh, yeah, he never four, stops. Four and a half beers like, he never if, if it was down. broken up each hour. Like that's 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 like, that's insane on its own. But it, as far as being able to play with the hangover the next day, hangover my ass. That man was still drunk. Uh, to be able to play while drunk, I mean, I've had some great rounds of golf while a little bit tipsy. So I'm just saying you can do stuff out there. But to do it on LSD, <laughs> to be tripping I mean, balls, like, like he would, he would and to, be able to do that to at a professional level, that's insane. Where you put them and they got the straws going into the mouth. And you're drinking two at once. And then in the middle of that, you're just shotgunning every beer that they give you. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's the just only playing, way to do it with any type of Edward time 40 management. hands like all night. All right. Well, speak, speaking of tall tales, I don't know. I think Ryan may have heard this before. Matt, I don't know about you. But my favorite skit, and it, it's gone in the annals of history. But my favorite thing that Mike Valeni ever did. Ever. And it was just this minor segment of this news story that came out that nobody remembers. It was like around 2010 or so. And it's the funny... I've, I've never laughed this hard at a radio program ever. And he recanted the tale of Dikembe Mutombo's gold scheme. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, you told me about it, yes. It is... The most marvelous story I've ever heard, and the fact that that segment is gone because of the way Mike did his delivery, and Terry Foster was still on at the time, too, like, just reacting and stuff. Dude, it was so funny, but this story is batshit crazy, and it makes you look at Dikembe Mutombo very differently. But, I, I mean, it's so long, I can't even really, like... To give it its its true honor, I'm going to put it up on the Facebook because it's just that great of a story. But basically, the TLDR of it is Dikembe Mutombo got these two rich white investors to go into the middle of war-ravaged Democratic Republic of Congo for this gold that didn't exist. And they wound up coming face-to-face with a genocidal war general, and they almost died. And Mutombo, like thought it was there maybe he didn't he kind of just flaked on it and there's these two <laughs> random white dudes in the middle of the african jungle and then uh what was that what was that guy's name uh Con- it started Con- with K. coney yeah Coney, coney just coming out of nowhere and about to murder their f- asses while they're looking for gold that doesn't exist it's it's wild as hell I- i'm gonna post i'm gonna actually i'm gonna post it right now because it is the greatest story in all of mankind, it beats out the Bible in my mind. It's that fascinating. I like and the much sequel more believable. where 25 years later, he sold Drew Brees some fake diamonds. Wait, what? It's, oh, it wasn't the campaign with Tombo, but Drew Brees just, he actually just won a lawsuit, I think. Someone sold him some diamonds, and they told them they were appraised for like $6 million more than what they were worth or something. So Drew Brees oh, took man. it as an investment, and then he went to go, or I think he got them appraised, and they were just way less. So he ended up suing whoever sold them the diamonds. But the same <laughs> same type of same type of fake jewelry scheme. What that does teach you, though, any young reporters out there listening to this, is always check your sources, mm-hmm. Paul. 
<laughs> on the message boards. <laughs> You're telling no, me that they, this is the say, grill say, that they Jim got, Harbaugh they got a tip. <laughs> they got a tip on some on some good gold. All right, I just po- I just posted the uh, article right now. Yeah, when you get a chance, and you work ca- quick, you got You got to read this. <laughs> Whew. Anyways, all right. Well, in September we're gonna be mourning the loss of life of a lot of really really stupid people. But well, it's, uh, it's almost natural selection at work at that point. Like if you <laughs> still think that you can storm Area Fifty One. Because apparently, and I didn't know this until I was listening to uh, to the Valenti show the other day. Oh yeah, shoot on site. Because they're yeah. talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> they're going, You got They have signs that if you go past a certain point, you will get shot. People are like they can't <laughs> take all of us. Like this is the U.S. government. I'm pretty sure they're prepared for whatever you have to throw at them. Ooh, I mean, not, like not to mention like the fact aren't. that this has been a well-known secret for decades. That's so like, it's not like, a secret it's not like you will, like he, there's no it's not way like to catch the, them off guard. Like, like, there's no way that like they, oh, that's oh, prepared they, yeah, to have this yeah. area protected for a long time. I don't even time. think they're storing secrets there. Like, why would you? Everybody knows about it. Yeah, you just tell yeah. everybody that's the spot for 50 or 60 years. <laughs> and then they go there and they all die. And then you got wherever else that you're storing aliens or whatever you got in there. <laughs> all, the, all the 40 years in the future technology where people are time traveling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, Matt, you wanna you wanna present <laughs> these or you want me to? <laughs> uh, nah, man, this is your show. Go ahead. All right, fan Bear show. So, all right. <laughs> so the very first thing and the one th- that I had in mind for this was I wanted y'all to think about. It doesn't have to be a star. I don't want you to be super cliche with this. But if you were to take your favorite teams right now, which is all the trash-ass teams in Detroit, and for me, the great teams in Chicago, and you were to just pick out a guy and just place him in there, good fit, good scheme, whatever, who is the one guy on the one team that you would insert into your favorite team right now? For I didn't know how, how kind of unknown you were looking to go. So for the NBA, there are some obvious ones. I didn't do anyone too obviously, too obvious, excuse me, like Bradley Beal or Clay Thompson. But if it's not too obvious, Josh Richardson, who recently just got traded to the Sixers, does a lot of the same things that those other guys do. He shoots the three at a very high rate, and he's an excellent defender. But he is also a starter on a team that's going to contend for a title. So I don't know if that one counts. If I was going to go football, yeah, I, would, I would do a guy that's already been here, actually. In Kyle Van Noy, he's perfect for Patricia's defense, and I hated him when he was here. I loved him when he got drafted, and then it was pretty clear right away that either he couldn't play football or he just couldn't play football with us. But now with what Patricia's trying to do and how absolutely horrific the Lions linebacking room is, a guy like Kyle Van Noy, again, would be a super huge add to the defense and would help them really solidify what might already be hopefully a pretty good defense this year, but linebacking is definitely the the weakest spot there, and Van Noy would help a lot, ironically. Okay, so the Van Noy one's cuddly because y'all trading him away, so that's your dumbass's fault. Uh, we have Patricia yet. Richardson is a good grab because I don't think most people outside of super NBA heads would really be like, really, Josh Richardson? Really? 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Grizzly on Josh Richardson. Uh, I think it's Grizzly for both. I think Van Noy was you know it was young in his career, but he was you know wasted as far as playing time and position on this team. Uh, obviously, Belichick knew what to do with him a hell of a lot more than our organization did, and uh, he's proved to be a key part of them winning a couple championships over the last so many years. And Richardson, I mean, absolutely. The, you know, the Pistons, they need everything that Richardson brings to the table right now. So how can you not say Grizzly? And their, spotter in the, and their starter in that spot, excuse me, right now is Tony Snell. Uh, yeah. For me, same thing. I was thinking both Lions and Pistons. And, uh, you so know, we are doing I mean, too great. <laughs> or <laughs> I'm just following your lead, my man. Uh, oh, man. I don't know if this is considered a big name or not. He was coming into the league, but there's been so much made about him um, as far as, uh, you know, his how much he hasn't done in his first couple years in the league. But I do believe in this man, and I think having his caliber at the point guard position for Detroit would lead to a lot of better things to come as well. Um, he was recently traded to the New Orleans Pelicans as part of that uh, part of that trade. Uh, Lonzo Ball... I think is going to be a phenomenal point guard for New Orleans with a very fun team to play with. I think he would do the same for us in Detroit. Uh, I understand his shot is not great, but his court vision, his IQ, his size, his rebounding ability, uh, and his defense, which is very much underrated, would very much be appreciated in Detroit uh, as long as his mouthpiece of a father is kept on the West Coast. For the Lions... It's a big name, but again, missed out a whole entire year. I would love for Le'Veon Bell to come home. Uh, I understand our issues with the offensive line and running in general, Ooh. but his pass-catching abilities as well uh, would be a huge boost for Matthew Stafford having that dual threat at the running back position. Um, I understand we're talking about one of the greatest running backs in the game right now over the last so many years, but sorry, I'm going big with this one. I would love for the Spartan to come home uh, and ball out for the Honolulu Blue and Silver. <laughs> the first one I'll say Grizzly for because I love Lonzo Ball. He's one of the five best defensive point guards in the NBA. His court vision is excellent. And right now we don't have shooting from our point guard position anyway. So it's not like it'd be much different. It would just be another guy to facilitate uh, and run the pick and roll with Blake, with Dre. You know, Hopefully get Luke Kennard some more open shots. Get a guy like Don Maker more open shots. All of that. And he's super young. So he's someone who the core right now of canard and dumbuya however you say his name would be able to grow with seiko. In the future. just say seiko <laughs> the i don't even think that's a, i think it's seiko but yeah, regardless seiko. with Either the way. second one the second <laughs> one is Thanos. too big i i love Le'Veon bell but this it's too big we were we were talking pretty specifically about role players and it's obviously grizzly if you can always add one of the best running backs in the nfl on your team but right now we have a pretty good just running back anyway. And Le'Veon Bell isn't going to fix any of the issues that our offensive line has. He'd, of course, be a better player than Carrion Johnson. But it's not like Carrion himself is a bad runner or a bad running back or anything like that. So as far as that position and starter were set, if you could get an upgrade, you'd love to. But Le'Veon is just too big of a name for it to be, gri- for it to be grisly for this, this discussion uh, itself. All right. Well, everybody, hold hands and dance around kumbaya, the fire like a bunch Lord. of like a bunch of pagans, because this is a uh, cuddly as all hell on all counts. You're gonna bring in a point guard that can't shoot to the Pistons. We'll try again. 
But my one that I have much more umbrage with is Le'Veon Bell, who I do not think is even a top five running back in the NFL this year. What? There's a lot of guys I would take ahead of him. And to pair a volume running back with another volume running back in Carrion Johnson, you don't need Le'Veon Bell. I would argue a far better fit would be Tariq Cohen or someone of his ilk. And I would also argue Tariq Cohen's the best running back in the division. He is a great oh, no. pace of pace of play kind of guy. A lot would smaller cook? would take a lot of pressure off Stafford. Is this how Grizzly takes works? Johnson. Well, look, I gotta say, if I'm if it's no, as no, cuddly no, as no, it no, is, no, it's I just mean, Grizzly or cuddly. Well, it's cuddly as hell because there you, you picked a well, wrong now, Well, now I'm interested. I want to know the five guys that he has above Le'Veon, and I want to know how Tariq Cohen is a better running back than Dalvin Cook. Oh, Tariq Cohen, oh, like as an overall back, is better than Dalvin Cook because Tariq Cohen can stay on the field. Like Tariq Cohen, there's a reason that he is the feature back. He is amazing, and you oh, will Dalvin see it Cook. this year. <laughs> you will see it about. this year. It's, it's going to hurt. I mean, David Montgomery's a great ad, but Tariq Cohen is arguably the Bears' best offensive player. Like, he's so good. And y'all just don't pay attention because it's the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky sucks dick. But, like, Tariq Cohen, man, I, I love that. I'm glad you guys found your Theo Riddick. Good job. I, oh, oh, my God. I'm going to jump through the nether of the internet and choke you out. You take that no. shit back. I remember we had Tariq going a couple years ago. His name was Reggie Bush. <laughs> Tariq Cohen's a better NFL player don't, than don't Reggie slander Bush Reggie so. like that. You're right. My I meant Joy Bell. My bad. Uh, I'm a bit. Oh my <laughs> God. All right. I'm done. Anyways, when I was positing this question, I, my mind immediately, a guy who forever and a day, and it's only gotten worse over time that I've wanted on my one of my favorite teams, arguably my favorite outside the Bears, I want, Evander Kane on the Blackhawks so freaking bad. Didn't you have it's him? It's painful. No, not a, I don't think not Evander Kane. I don't think they so. Patrick oh, Kane. wrong Kane. <laughs> well, yeah, not well, Patrick Kane, the, not Mayor Kane, former wrestler. And, yeah, yeah, he was on Kane? the Thrashers, Jets, and then he's with the Sabers. Uh, now, Matt now, Kane, now, the now he's with Niners the Sharks, Patrick? and he's been awesome. Not Niners, but Evander Kane is. One thing the Blackhawks have really honestly never had, which is a supremely physical forward, specifically a left wing, who is physical as hell and also is good offensively. Brian Bickle was a really good kind of power forward, but he is nowhere near the offensive player that Evander Kane is. Except for like in key moments in the playoffs. Well, and to be fair, Brian Bickle isn't in the NHL anymore for very tragic reasons, and I'm not slandering the man. I love him. He brought he brought us two t- titles. But Evander Kane so has continued to be a phenomenal player in the NHL. I've always loved his game. He isn't afraid of anybody, and the Blackhawks have needed that to- kind of guy, that kind of attitude, which they have never had, that sort of guy who is able to back up his physical game with an offensive game that can complement Taves, Debrinkit, and Kane. Having the two Canes on a same line when Debrinkit takes over center for Taves on the first line that, that's my wet dream. I want that more than anything else in sports right now. 
And then my second one, because I forgot, but <laughs> my second one is equally I really want. And it's the same kind of guy. And again, Chicago. I desperately, and honestly, what I could say is any quarterback outside of Mitchell Trubisky's dumpy ass. I, Why? But I digress. My guy, absolutely, and it's going to shock nobody, is I would love Jalen Brunson on the Bulls. A supremely smart, just rough-nosed guy that could help out Kobe White in his transition to the league. A guy who stayed in college, is a champion, and has proven me right more than I could have ever even dreamed. The Pitbull himself. (laughs) I would want want Jalen Brunson on the Bulls almost as much as I want Evander Kane. Evander Kane is number one with a bullet and has been for five years. But Jalen Brunson is up there too. And there was talk about the Bulls trading for a point guard, and I was like... I swear, if Paxson gets Brunson, I will run to Chicago and kiss his bald head. Oh my goodness! I oh, oh that 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 would just make my day. But don't it's not say that because then you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be shacked. Or they're talking about <laughs> licking cheese off people's feet. <laughs> never follow it up, right? You know, it's hard to say Grizzly when you give me heat for the level of guys that I picked. And you go and pick the fourth overall pick in his draft in it's Evander Kane. Wikipedia effect, if you didn't know. <laughs> Nobody knows Granted, who Evander Kane it was a decade ago in the draft. <laughs> here. And his career hasn't really been a decade long in the NHL. Um, no. I... <laughs> <laughs> Ah! You have any conviction in your grizzly or cuddly, which you haven't said yet? I, I, I do, I do. I mean, it's it's cuddly because this man is a miserable in the plus minus. I don't see how he's going to do all that much for you in your team anyway. Because are you shitting me? He's not going to change that much. Are you and shitting me? As far plus as basketball minus on a line with Kane and Debrinket, what are you talking about? You don't know. You're speculating. He might be oh. the reason. All right, whatever. I mean, he played on the freaking Thrashers to start his career, but you're, yeah, fine. <laughs> whatever, dude. What the As hell? far as Jalen Brunson goes, great first year uh, for a guy that was, you know, Who a lot that? of question, a lot of question marks. I mean, you called it off one of the best point guards in college who's a national oh, champion a you couple times the same over. Effort. So you oh, not act like it was that much on. of a stretch when we know the man can play basketball. But you did in not. his 20 you minutes or so per game for the Dallas Mavericks, he did a very good job for them coming off the bench. There was a big difference in taking he over starts. the team what are you talking and about? coming off the bench. Oh. I mean, he started like half the games. <laughs> what is this? So, uh, Kane, I I don't know enough about, but your name shouldn't be Evander if you're under 40 years old. So, for for that, I mean, maybe alone, his dad loved Holyfield. For that alone, it should be cuddly. But I love Jalen Brunson too, and we've talked about it. He's one of those really just just like I think Cassius Winston will be. He's one of those really good senior point guards to come out of school, and you just kind of already know what he is. It's So it's not that there's a whole lot of room for him to go up and develop into an all-NBA caliber player, 
but you know that you're inserting a guy who can play right away and make the right plays and run your second unit the right way for 10, 11, 12, 13 years, however long he wants to play in the NBA, he'll always have a spot. And that's always something that's going to be valuable. If I was running an NBA team, that's something that's always going to be valuable and something I'm always going to want. So Brunson is super grizzly. Thank you. Somebody understands the Pitbull's power. The Pitbull's bite. Pitbull is your He's nickname like, given to him. Well, and that is his nickname. <laughs> Pitbull. It's not. It absolutely is. I thought I, I thought I stole that the way that I stole the sports carnage origin from you. Oh, treasure! Dang, maybe maybe Ooh. I actually am the starter of things, huh? Anyway, the starter of that one nickname that no one else ever yeah. called him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought basketball uh, reference usually lists nicknames, and I'm looking, I can't you, see them. You know the you know the worst part though. You know the absolute worst part is. Even though, sure, like, oh, I made up the name and I'm the only one who calls him that. You know when I say the Pitbull, you know who I'm talking about. Not at first. Because I, you I keep thought talking you were talking about, about Patrick Beverly. And then you were like, no, Jalen Brunson. And I was like, <laughs> no one's ever called him that. But it's a good descriptor. It's a good descriptor for him. It is. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Anyways. I don't see any nickname. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so we're we're, we're going to get off on it, but. Yo, do you know? But officially you know, you, on the internet, there's no nicknames yo, for Jalen Brunson, so maybe you can go on Reddit and start. Oh, I'm doing it right now. As I'm the name right for him, Brian. And you get all the nickname. Oh my god, it's great! The Big Ragu. The Big Ragu. So when I typed in Jalen Brunson nickname on Google, the first thing that popped up was the Big Ragu. The Big Ragu. Divincenzo. <laughs> Divincenzo. That's great. Uh, or as Bomani Jones calls him, White Dante. <laughs> Uh, hey, that's not that's not the right uh, long long last name white man. They definitely care definitely about. one of my favorite Villanova players over the last. Hey, decade. hey my my favorite. A- anything Villanova. he can do to beat Michigan, I'm all good. But I love <laughs> Al, was it Allen Ray the fourth? Oh, oh there man. you go. It's a blast but, hey, from the past. The worst part is is that we have we already have another white long last name Italian from Villanova. Laura Laurie be- Markinen is not Italian. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Martin. Mar- <laughs> he's not from Villanova either. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I ain't talking about Lowry. I'm talking Wrong about... Wrong Wildcat. He's an Arizona Wildcat. I'm talking about Wildcat. the 2022 NBA Finals MVP, Ryan Arch... Archie Diacono? Archie Diacono. Yeah. Are you sure he's Italian? I am sure that he has a three-year deal, and on his third year, he will rise again like Jesus, and he's going to win an NBA Finals MVP. Let's go. <laughs> Woo! I don't even think you could get odds for that now, because you'd be like, yeah, no one's going to bet that. But if you could, uh, you bet that now, you'll I'll be, tell you, you don't even have to worry about buying it. You don't have to worry about credit. That backfield? $45 million in the bank. <laughs> that backfield, that Villanova reincarnation... Of the pit bull and the arch man. It was a backfield. Backcourt. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> backfield. I got too ahead of myself. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, speaking of gridiron and uh, the best sport in all the land, it's fo- we were yesterday. 
I'm a man. I'm 40 days away from college football. It's 39 <laughs> now. I don't know what 39 works with this. Maybe it's the amount of losses Michigan's had on the road against, you know, good opponents in the last, you know, century. But we are looking at college football games that we secretly are intrigued by this year. I'm going to tell you right now, y'all's aren't going to be anywhere near as random as mine. But something no, kind of off the wall, you know, not a Michigan loss on the road again. I'm talking about something that's kind of rando that people in the region aren't going to understand. You know, some some in the SEC, ACC, maybe even the Pac-12 where we could see trash football teams grind it out at like 1 a.m. in the morning. Eat a so, dick. Oh, hey, 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 hey. I'm yeah, not Jim Harbaugh. It's, t- now. it's 10 a.m. Man time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, it's going to be. Hell. Anyways, so Ryan, why don't you uh, start us and kick us off, if you will. Hell. So my first one is actually still staying in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. My only one is still staying in the Big Ten. It is week two, Cincinnati at Ohio State. This game is intriguing to me for a couple reasons. Cincinnati won 11 games last year, and their head coach is Luke Fickle who, of course, was the interim Ohio State coach when they went, what, 6-6 six and six or 7-6, and six, whatever six happened, 6-7, six. Six and seven, uh, depending on... Oh, no, they weren't eligible for a bowl game, so it was 6-6. Six and six. But yep. that's a guy that at least knows the program a little bit. Ryan Day, his first year as head coach. In Week 2, I don't know that Cincinnati is a great team. They are coming off a spectacular season. And this is a game... That's really big for Cincinnati because while it's at Ohio State, so it's not like a recruiting weekend or anything like that for Cincinnati. If Cincinnati shows out, they have shown an uptick in recruiting recently. So this is a game that I think could really put them uh, on the map with a lot of kids from Ohio. Not a lot of you know the five-star kids who are still going to go to Ohio State. They're still going to go to Michigan, Notre Dame, kind of wherever else is pulling them. But some of those three- and four-star kids who are being pulled by some of the lesser Pac-12 schools, lesser Big Ten schools, SEC schools, these schools and these bigger conferences, I think if Cincinnati does show out in this game and maybe they even pull off a win because it is, again, Ryan Day's second game only as Ohio State's head coach, and Cincinnati is bringing back an experienced team that won a lot of games last year. It is something that I think could help propel them or springboard them forward. So they might take this game way more seriously than Ohio State will. And I think it's something where Ohio State's going to be caught in somewhat of a trap game in Week 2. They have the talent to blow them out, but with kind of everything that Cincinnati has riding on it, the fact that they were already coached by this guy is, I think, something that can give Ohio State fans um, a scare, especially if their defense looked like it looked last year. Uh, early in the season, this is a game that I think, as an Ohio State fan, you can't just chalk up as you know a win. It's it, it's going to be a dogfight. I'm gonna I'm gonna break your your soul and your back right now. That's cu- that's maybe the cuddliest thing you've ever said. Um, that what? that's that's weak that's weak as hell. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you out with this. I'm gonna help every everybody, Michigan fans in particular. Paul, if you're listening, I want you to I want you to to, to calm yourself. You know he doesn't listen mind. to the shows he's not on. Uh, cl- look, clear your mind. <laughs> just listen listen to my dulcet tones real quick here. Jesus I want to help Christ, you. All just out. say just, just say grizzly or cuddly. I just I just want to help y'all out with something. 
I'm not anybody. I mean, in fairness, I'm, I'm try, I mean, I'm trying to sit here and t- and preach to the people, and I, oh I got God. I got these non-believers out here talking their asses off. But listen, anyone who believes that Ohio State is going to have a down year next year, that Ryan Day isn't go- going to be the second coming of Lincoln Riley, you're in for a rude ass awakening. I'm gonna tell that. you. I'm gonna tell you right now. Cincinnati isn't going to be within four scores of Ohio State. Justin Fields is going to throw for five touchdowns at least. And you're also incorrect because Ryan Day has coached Ohio State before when Urban Meyer was taking his leaves of absence, quote, quote, if you will. So here's the deal. Ryan Day is not going to miss a step. Ohio State isn't going to miss a step. They're going to slaughter an in-state team like they always do. And this game is going to be a snoozer. Just remember, folks, this is the man who had the worst college bowl season record out of all of us on this show. And yet I still margin. know more than all of you objectively. Yes, clearly the yeah, numbers just, prove it. Just like with uh, Syracuse Ryan, last year. Check the this tape. is absolutely grizzly. You've got two former Ohio State interim coaches going head-to-head. The Bearcats had a hell of a season last year with 11 wins. Yeah, uh, they do have a good AAC. football team. And it's going to be interesting to see how – the Buckeyes move on. And this is a semi-test. It would be more of a test if it was at Cincinnati. But it's still a semi-test for a young team with a new head coach taking over. Who, yeah, got four games experience last year. But they got a new quarterback coming in. Although highly touted coming out of Georgia. But it should be interesting to see at least. And goddamn, Dylan, if you don't calm down the monologues, I'm going to cut your mic. Well, as as much as I wanted to pick Appalachian State at North Carolina just to throw it in Dylan's face of random-ass, but no one's going to pick a more random-ass game than me, uh, I'm going to week one where Try we have new guys at the helm as well uh, with Houston at Oklahoma. I think this is going to be an interesting game to see just how much Jalen Hurts really has improved after losing his job at Alabama to Tua Tungavailoa. I'm curious to see. We've got a heck of an opening weekend in general with the nerds going at it with Northwestern at Stanford. Florida versus Miami, always fun. But I am curious to see how these two teams will go up with uh, Houston being under their brand-new head coach, with Oklahoma going with a brand-new quarterback. Yes, they always have a dangerous offense, but Houston's had a pretty good run the last so many years in football as well. Should be fun to watch. And the last two teams, times, the last time these two teams met up, it was... Houston beating Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma 33 to 23 the first weekend of 2016. So a little revenge for the Sooners should be a fun way to start the college football season. For this one, I am going to have to give it cuddly. Houston is breaking in a new head coach. All I do for you, Ryan. That does. I know. I'm I'm sorry. But (laughs) he's wise for once. This, this is Houston's. That's right. Syracuse over Notre Dame, except it was 36 to three. That's because the quarterback got <laughs> killed in the first quarter. Get the shit out of here. Oh, he's, he was worth 33 points. Okay. <laughs> but. <coughs> how football so, works, Houston uh. is. Well, neither do you. <laughs> so, Houston Drew is Stan- breaking in a new head coach, and I can't see him in his first game upsetting the Sooners, who do have Lincoln Riley, who do have. And I'm not as high on him as. Paul and Dylan are, who thinks he's going to win the Heisman. He's going to be number one draft pick, best quarterback all time ever, the boat and the goat. 
I can't see them even giving Oklahoma a game. There's just such a talent discrepancy there. With him still trying, they're going to be working out the kinks of whatever they have to do, and Oklahoma should hit off that game, at least running on all cylinders. Um, That one will be not particularly close, and Oklahoma always likes to make a statement and score a whole bunch of points, and I know Houston does too, but I don't see them being able to match Oklahoma. Just like the Ohio State game, this game spread opening in Vegas isn't going to be less than 28 and a half. Your lack of belief in Jalen Hurts is honestly kind of insulting at this point. Like, Paul and I have already tried to preach it to you. You just don't understand, and you never You're just both wrong. But not only has he been majorly improved, arguably the most improved college football player I've ever seen, he's going under the... Absolute guru, the smartest offensive mind in arguably all of football in general, in Lincoln Riley, a prodigy who not going to the NFL, insane. Like Oklahoma has a ble- is blessed that he is not going to be there. And Oklahoma is going to be the first school in the history of college football to have three different quarterbacks get the Heisman the, in a row. What? It's wild how good Lincoln Riley is, Over and the fact that Trevor you Lawrence. think, like you, you think this is this is insane. I don't you think understand he's it. How? What makes you think Houston, under a first-year coach, ripped to Major Applewhite, that somehow they're going to be able to do anything on the road? What, like, what is this between you two believing in these mid-majors? Like, please, both of you, I want you both to do this. Um, I. I, I can tell you, you I'm going to completely your head you on these understand the, Bro, the these topic spreads, that you put out there in the first place where you said we are secretly intrigued for. Uh, but how can you be that, intrigued no, uh, over uh, 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 uh. There how are intriguing reasons to, to both, of our, re- both of our games that we picked. Bell, and you think Jalen Hurts is going to win the Heisman. All right. Ryan Anyways. picked his because they were intriguing for certain reasons, which he made good points to. Myself, I feel I did the same. But you want to harp on the fact that one of the teams is so much better than the other and you think it's going to automatically be a blowout when we've seen plenty of examples of that not happening. No, again, if you're so sure of it, bet the spread then, dude. Please. Let me see it if first. If you're so sure of it. Let me see it first. Oh, oh interesting. All right. Interesting. I'm supposed to just say, yeah, sure, I'll bet the spread. <laughs> right, without seeing it. Without seeing All any right. numbers. Yeah, that's been real intelligent I gambling. Want, hey, for, for Oklahoma, Houston... I will give you 28 and a half. I will give you 28 and a half. Please. All right, bet. Take it. All right, there we go. Dumb shit. All right, anyways. So, mine, which is substantially better than these two yachts, Cuddly. Is <laughs> a very, very intriguing, and arguably the most intriguing division in all of college football, and that's the SEC East. And it is, I couldn't tell you the week, but it's November 16th. And it is in the newly renovated, formerly known as, actually it is still, but it's Memorial Stadium, Fart Field in Columbia, Missouri. It's the Missouri Tigers against the Florida Gators. And the reason that this is so freaking intriguing and it's such a low-key kind of game is that somebody's got to step up as the number two against Georgia. 
Florida second year under Dan Mullen. We can we'll see how that goes. Barry Odom, even though his his records kind of seem like eh, he's not really done much, especially since Gary Pinkle. By the way, hope he gets better with his second bout of cancer. Let's hope that he does well there. But uh, Barry Odom, ever since he took over for Gary Pinkle, uh, he actually has the best first three year record in Missouri football outside of some dude named Powers who won twenty three from seventy eight to eighty. And his record hasn't been fantastic, which tells you all you need to know about Missouri. But Missouri, 8-5 team last year, was 4-0 in the month of November, including a win on the road against Florida 38-17, which was the biggest Missouri road win over a ranked opponent since 2008. That is going to be on Florida's mind. Gary or Barry Odom in the month of November, is the guy to pick. This dude is money. In his three years at Missouri, they are 10-2 and two and have won nine games in a row in November. Florida is going to be itching to get some payback. It's rivals in the SEC East. This is going to be a turning game for these two programs. And also, you got my man's Kelly Bryant, who's going to be on a good roster. We will see. Maybe he is. I don't know. We will see. But this is a super intriguing game in a newly renovated far at field. Uh, Absolutely, you need to be watching this game November 16th. I want to say Cudley just because you said random is all hell and then picked two SEC teams, including one that was a former powerhouse, and somehow that's random. But you're absolutely right about this game. Missouri was a few bad bounces away from being a 10-win team last season. They were much better than their 8-5 and record ended up being. They did trounce Florida, an overrated Florida team with a miserable offense, by the way. Uh, but Missouri did what they were supposed to do. I thought they were the better football team going into that game, even with Florida being ranked. Uh, Missouri has some tough tests along the way, including back-to-back trips at Kentucky and Georgia before this game. So we'll see how beat up they are, especially going after Bulldogs. Uh, but this should be a very intriguing game to tell you who Who's going to be that second fiddle behind Georgia in the SEC this year on that side of the coin anyway? Cuddly. This game sucks. Florida sucks. Missouri sucks. Kelly Bryant sucks. (laughs) You suck. (laughs) Somebody's all up in their feelings, apparently. All right. And with that, you're welcome, America. We done. Short show. Once again, three of us, Dylan, Ryan, myself, Paul, you suck. Come join the show sometime. We miss you. Uh, We wish you all a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to us again. And we will talk to y'all next week. Stay safe on those streets. Meet y'all in Nevada in September.